Overall, I'm just happy that I've figured out a way to cope with living with epilepsy and move on from feeling sorry about myself. Failing. 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 When we talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. A blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. I'm Annie Schumann, and this is a special edition of Failing Forward for Adolescents. And I am so pumped to have Margot David with me here today. And Margot has dealt with epilepsy. Tell me a little bit about epilepsy and important things that you want listeners and I to know. Okay, awesome. I'm super excited to be here. Um, so one of the first things I found out when I was diagnosed was that one in 26 people in the United States will develop epilepsy at some point in their lifetime. And then something else that I learned was that one in 10 people will have a seizure in their lifetime as well. So when I was diagnosed, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is like legit and super common. Like this isn't just some random thing that I'm being diagnosed with. Like it's all around the world. (laughs) Yeah. So when did you first find out that you had epilepsy? So I was diagnosed on July 6th of 2018. And, um, but my first seizure occurred on June 19th when I was headed to Fiji for a service trip. So we had taken off from LAX and about eight to nine hours into the flight, I started having a seizure and I was with a bunch of people I didn't know, like complete strangers at the time. And then we landed and I went to this hospital or whatever and, um, They basically gave me three choices, and they were just like, all right, you can stay, you can go home, or you can go fly to Australia and meet your family and get, like, the proper testing done, which is an EEG where they check your brainwaves. So I just stayed, and then when I got home, we went straight to the doctor, and they did an EEG, which, again, tests your brainwaves. And what they told me when I had epilepsy was that A normal wave is really steady, but mine were kind of all over the place, which means Mm -hmm. that you're prone to seizure activity. So they told me I had epilepsy, and that was very emotional for both me and my mom at the time. But from then on, it's been a crazy journey. (laughs) Yeah. So when you had the seizure, your whole family was in Australia? So we had—well, I had been in Fiji. I traveled to Fiji by myself— um, on a service trip. And then my parents had the option to meet me in Australia to get testing done. But okay. we both like decided that I could just stay and finish out the trip and then go home to Cincinnati. So on your Fiji trip, because of the seizure and all of that happening, did you make any close friends that helped you through it? Since yeah. You didn't have family? So when we all went to Fiji, it was about 50 kids. But when we got there, we got split up into certain groups. And the girl I was sitting next to on the plane, she happened to be in my group and she was also the bunk above me. So she is like one of my closest friends now and That's we still awesome. stay in touch. Yeah. Good. Good. So... Tell me a little bit about yourself, your family, friends, school. Okay. Um, well, I've gone to Indian Hill all of my life. I just graduated, actually. And um, so I have an older brother who goes to Washington and Lee, and I have an older sister who lives in New York and works for a PR firm. 
Um, and I've played soccer throughout my whole life. I played for Indian Hill all four years. And, um, yeah, just growing up in Indian Hill. (laughs) Um, I remember you were one of, like, I remember going to the state games, you know, and watching you play. And you were amazing at playing soccer. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And I'm wondering, how did the epilepsy affect that? Okay, so when... I was diagnosed, it was right into the soccer season also and all of the summer training. So I had, I ended up having to tell my entire team, which that was very awkward. Um, <laughs> but so August was great. September was great. And then my next seizure occurred, this was my third one, occurred um, on October 6th. And it was at a boys' soccer game. And I had been going to the bathroom with some friends at halftime and I flipped my hair up to put it in a ponytail and then next thing I know I'm on the ground with our trainer and some EMTs with me too but if we like fast forward to the end of October October 30th um we had the regional semi-final game against Mm -hmm. Summit and we I did all my pregame ritual stuff. We were on the bus, yeah. like getting super excited and like I was a hundred and ten percent ready to go play. Um and then we walked we played at Lebanon High School and mm-hmm. um which was like the mutual spot between us. So we went to their locker room and I started to put my shin guards and stuff on and then I fell and started having another seizure. Um, and when I woke up, I was with my coach and one of my best friends, Bryn Worthlin, who helped me throughout this whole entire process. Mm-hmm. Um, so I couldn't play in that game, but there was another repercussion from that. So I ended up having a concussion after that, which oh. meant you have to wait six days until you can get cleared. So I missed the regional finals and the state semifinals. Yeah. But I got cleared the night before the state game, and I ended up getting to play. And That's awesome. It was, you guys yeah, won. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's an amazing end to the season. Grateful yeah. for all of it. But <laughs> Because I go to the same school or went to the same school as you, um, basically, I learned that the soccer team is a family. Yeah. Like, everyone 100%. is so close. Yeah. So that... Did that help you get through it? Oh, yeah, for sure. So like I said before, Bryn Worthlin, from July to March when I got my license back, because every time you have a seizure, you have to wait three months until you can drive again. Mm-hmm. So Bryn Worthlin, she played center mid, amazing player. Um, she drove me to every practice and to school, every game. Um, but just being that close with someone on the team and then the rest of my team too, it was incredible to have such a good backbone and support system mm-hmm. with me and my coaches as well. Um, Monica Brown actually told me when we started the season, she said, live every day through grace. And that helped me the whole like the whole season and still helps me today. And um, I remember there was a game where I had had a seizure a few days before there was a game, we were playing Wyoming, mm-hmm. and we weren't doing too well, and I was getting super frustrated, and I just started sobbing on the field. So my coach takes me out, mm-hmm. and our Monica Brown was our assistant coach, and I'm talking to her. She's like, I know what this is about. I know you're frustrated. Like, take all that frustration and put it into the game and, like, yeah, 
like just work hard and use all of that so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically what I'm getting to this is that soccer was basically helping you get through yeah. epilepsy yeah having 100%. the people there the coaches the yeah. game and it was just a distraction too because yeah school was difficult to get through and like it was very stressful for me having to balance both of the diagnosis and the work and applying to colleges but having soccer we would go straight after school we practice for two two and a half hours or we'd have a game and like that's all of my focus and like that's all I had to think about at the time which is really nice to just like get away from it all yeah so I know that you had Brynwerthlin very helpful your coaches soccer yeah. teammates anyone else family so obviously um, <laughs> So when I was diagnosed, there was a guy on the boys team. His name's Jay. And we did end up dating. But um, <laughs> so he texted me. My coach let him know that I had been diagnosed. And he mm -hmm. texted me and he was like, hey, like, let me know if you have any questions or just ever want to talk about it. And I was like, all right, like, I guess I'll talk to him. And then yeah. a month, a month and a half later, we ended up dating. And he helped me through the whole thing, too. And he was up there as one of like my biggest supporters throughout all of the process and it was nice to have him too though because he related so much and he knew what I was going through yeah. because a lot of time talking to people they say everything like it's gonna be okay you're doing great blah 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 but then having him who understands every single part mm -hmm. of it and each like struggle with it is just a lot it's just a lot more relatable yeah because him having epilepsy, you two can relate and yeah, yeah. get through it together, I guess. Yeah, exactly. School's coming up again. Mm -hmm. So how was school when you had epilepsy? How hard did it get? So senior year is such a huge year for everybody that goes into it. And I was super stoked whether I had epilepsy or whether I didn't. I was so, so excited for it. But the stress of applying to college at the same time was really difficult to manage. And for me, everyone who's diagnosed with epilepsy has certain triggers to their seizures. And one of mine was stress. So we had to be very careful as to much work I put mm -hmm. in to school and to college and make sure it was balanced enough that it didn't go overboard and that I wouldn't have another seizure. Yeah. And I ended up, after one of mine, I ended up having to drop one of my classes because it was too much for me. And my doctor looked at me. He was like, hey, what's stressing you out? And I kind of told him, he was like, all right, drop the class. Like, yeah. it's in your best interest. So it was yeah. difficult. But as school went on and we got back into March and I was able to run track again and I was able to drive again, it started to get easier and when I got into college, too, that took a lot of stress off of things. And I found out a few days before. I'm going to Elon next year. Mm -hmm. I found out a few days beforehand. Um, they I applied early decision, and my counselor had called me. And this was right after Thanksgiving. And I was at Walgreens getting a flu shot. Yeah. And <laughs> I was with my mom. And the North Carolina area code popped up on my phone. I was like, should I answer it? Like, yeah, is this just and? a telemarketer? Like, what is it? <laughs> so I answered it, and it was my counselor. I'm just walking through the aisles of Walgreens, mm -hmm. and 
she's asking me about Thanksgiving and break, and it's just being super casual. And she goes, oh, by the way, like, you got into Elon. I was like, oh, oh thanks. And when she told me that, I just felt like a normal teenager, like, finding out where they're going to school. And, like, I don't, I don't know. Just there are certain times throughout the school year where I had this normalcy of, like, I'm still a teenager. Like, this does not define me. Like, yeah. I'm still, like, part of this community of Indian Hill and, like, my friend group. Like, this isn't something that's going to hold me back. Yeah. Like you said, live every day through grace. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No Um, matter how stressed out or frustrating it is, just be confident and keep going. (laughs) Yeah, you have the support. You have people who love you and that are there for you. So that's awesome. You mentioned stress a lot. How did you manage all that stress? So with the stress and, again, having my backbone, it was nice to, and, like, the soccer escape, it was nice to have all of these people here for me because that support system just let me vent and they mm-hmm. listened to all of my issues. And one of the things I've learned is that holding it all in and not talking about it is just going to make you implode either way. And it makes the stress build up even more. Mm-hmm. And it was just really nice to have all these different people to talk to, especially my sister, Liza. She, so she lives in New York and no matter how busy she was, she'd pick up the phone and ask me. She's like, hey, what's going on? How's it going? Like, let me know everything that's going yeah. on in your life right now. And she, it was just, I'm so grateful to have her, even though she's all the way across yeah. the U.S. Like, it's just incredible to have her in my life. That's awesome. Are there any lessons that you want to teach the listeners or lessons that you've learned? So my first lesson for sure And this is very cliche, but don't take anything for granted. And the biggest thing for me then was driving because Mm -hmm. when you, and I know you recently got your license, but when you get your license, it's like, oh my God, this is sick. Like I have all the freedom in the world and I had the opportunity to have my own car and it's just awesome being able to drive around and go from place to place. And when I came home in July and had my second seizure, they told me, you can't drive for three months. And then I had another one, and those three months start over again, and so on. So I went nine months without driving a car. I'm thinking to myself, I took all this time just driving wherever I wanted as if it was just there for me. And, like, I just didn't have to worry about it going away, but... Instead, all of a sudden, it was gone. I'm like, yeah. All right. Like, I need to learn. Like, don't take this for granted. Um, As a teenager, you know, driving, it sounds super, like, dumb. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, driving, anyone can take you anywhere. But yeah, exactly. it's your own freedom, and you can go off and do your own thing. Yeah. And then another thing I learned was just being confident in myself and having thick skin. I know... Before before being diagnosed, I didn't really have anything in my life that was very traumatic and detrimental. And once I was diagnosed, I was like, all right, you got to figure this out and you got to learn how to be confident. And then another thing I wanted to mention was a while ago, and it was before I was even diagnosed, but my dad had said to me, and I wrote this down, my dad had said to me, dude, he says dude all the time, but mm-hmm. he goes, dude, you got to live your life with a cape on. 
And that's so cute. I was, yeah, and I was thinking about that the other day, and I've always had it in like my notes on my phone and on my computer. I was like, I have no idea how much this actually applied to my life after he said it, because even though I had all of this stuff going on, I still had to be brave and strong and keep going and persevere. Yeah. Were you ever, I don't know, this sounds kind of dumb, but (laughs) were you ever scared about what people thought or were you ever nervous about what they would think? That is not a dumb question at all. (laughs) That's I was very scared, Um, and a lot of my friends, my close friends, they sat me down, and they're like, okay, explain to me what's supposed to happen or what I'm supposed to do, and, but then with other people, they'd ask, and it would just get kind of awkward, and, like, they wouldn't know, like, what to do in case of a seizure, and, like, I don't know. I started to get scared that people were going to think of me my senior year just as the girl who had epilepsy versus as the girl who, like, went to internationals for DECA and, like, one state and all of these different things and just being a student with everybody else in my grade, like, I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's so awesome how confident you are in everything that you've been accomplishing. You know, as a teenager, there's a lot of awkward moments and very awkward moment <laughs> yeah so tell me was there anyone that wasn't nice about the epilepsy that made you feel uncomfortable so there are a few instances and it kind of depends on the person because yeah like there are a lot of jokes made about seizures and I've grown to accept them and kind of laugh along but sometimes people take it too far and especially when it's someone I don't know and they're Mm -hmm. directing it towards me I kind of look at them and I'm pretty blunt and I'm like hey dude that's not cool like Mm -hmm. knock it off it's not funny but when it's my closer friends and they know what I'm going through and they they're just they have more of an idea of what's going on they can Mm -hmm. crack a few jokes here and there but I remember when I was in Fiji And when there were the 50-so kids on the plane, I was walking walking down the road. We were going to get back on the bus after doing some service. And this kid, no idea who he was, he came up to me. He's like, oh, my gosh, like, were you the girl that had the seizure on the plane? And I kind of looked at him. I was like, yeah, (laughs) Like, like, thanks for asking and, like, putting that back in my head. But... I just, there's so many better ways to ask that. Like, yeah, because you were so new to that and yeah. you were probably super scared. Exactly. Like, you I didn't was want, terrified. You didn't want people coming up to like, hey, you're the seizure girl, right? Like, I Exactly. Would, and I wrote about that in my college essay too. I was like, this guy asked me this and I didn't know who he was, but I want all of these people to know who I actually am, the girl from yeah. Cincinnati and nobody knows where that is, but like... <laughs> who is in high school and about to graduate and, like, play soccer, et cetera. Like, I don't know. It's just kind of weird sometimes. (laughs) I feel like Ohio doesn't get enough credit. There's a lot of cool people here. There's no credit given towards Ohio. And when I was on that trip, people literally asked me where on the map Ohio was. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) In California, I was there this summer, and they were all like, Oh, like they all thought I was from California. And I'm like, oh, I'm from Ohio. 
And I'm telling you, that entire time, I got made fun of being the Ohio girl. So. I always would get called, like, the cornfield girl. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Like, Cincinnati's, like, a legit place. I don't live in a field. <laughs> yeah. I but, get that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm just, overall, I'm just happy that I've figured out a way to cope with living with epilepsy and move on from feeling sorry about myself for the longest time I was like oh my gosh like life sucks right now like Mm -hmm. I can't control this blah 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 but then I'm thinking to myself wait I can control this I can change my attitude and be like hey I have this many days left until I can drive versus thinking about how long I haven't driven yeah and just the little things like that like I needed to start waking up in the morning and telling myself like yeah you have epilepsy, but, like, don't care. Like, yeah. pretend it's not there. I don't know. The little things in life <laughs> yeah, really exactly. get to you. Yeah. To talk more about the seizures and the details, is there anything that, is there <laughs> anything that um, physically happens to you that you can remember? So the kind of seizures I have are when I'm unconscious when they occur, but when I come to, I usually don't remember a lot. And... With my first one, um, I woke up, and I didn't know any of this was happening, but a woman afterwards told me, we asked you a bunch of questions, where you were going, where you were from, and your own name even, and I didn't know any of them when they asked. I had no idea. Um, And then that, like, even saying that now and however long ago this was, Mm -hmm. like, it scares me to think, like, I didn't even know my own name. Like, so it's more of the after effects versus during. And like I said, like I had the concussion before and I've gotten a few like scratches and bruises too. But um, there was another instance where it was in the locker room um, before the summit game and my coaches had been in there. I remember waking up and... I had some profanity that I added like right when I woke up and I was just so angry because I couldn't play. I was saying a lot of words that I shouldn't have said in front of my coach, but it happens. Um, But Bryn had also told me, she was like, we told you like, hey, you have epilepsy, you're okay. And then I said like, no, I don't. No, I don't, which I think is kind of funny now, but it's... It's weird how it takes you so long to remember what had happened, but in the moment, you have no idea what's going on. You have to have somebody tell you afterwards, like, how long it was, where you were, um, and just, like, the specific details of it all. So did lights ever trigger the No, lights, lights haven't triggered, I don't think, at all. My, my main triggers are dehydration, stress, and sleep deprivation. Okay. Yeah. So, but it varies from for, from person to person. So yeah. a lot of people would make. You were talking about jokes before. A lot of people would like flashlights off and on. I'm like, ha ha, super funny. But like, actually, stop because I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> so Margot, it was a pleasure having you here. I learned so much, and I hope that the listeners have learned too. And. I'm just so glad to hear your story. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to be here, and I'm super excited that I got to share all of this with everybody. So thank you. (laughs) No problem. 
I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod. <laughs>